Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Slogging It. I'm just opening another beer. Um, it is now oh, 20 to 10. We start recording at 8 o'clock with um, Ian Covain from Gloucester. Um, what an interview that was, but we'll t- that you will hear that in probably 10 minutes' time. Muge um, and I, the terrible twosome, as Robbo's having a well-deserved night off tonight, we'll uh, talk a bit of nonsense before that and probably a little bit after it, just covering it all off. Um, before we do that, uh, we must, as always, just um, mention the Lord's Taverners, 60331. Please text TABS11 to uh, support the great work they do with £3. Please continue to do that. Uh, also, please don't forget to um, subscribe because it's really important that you do that because it makes us look great and gets us up the charts. Um, we also have a new partner, Eugene. I don't even know if I've told you about this. Jolty's no, you haven't. This is brand new. Jolty's Biltong. Now, being South African, you love good Biltong, right? And this... I've had this Biltong, and yet I haven't heard about the partnership. What the hell is going on? Well, he obviously prefers me to you, but this stuff is top draw. You'll know that if you've had it. Um, mutual friend of ours, David Holt, um, one of the most successful amateur captains, I think, ever, uh, when he captained Ealing Cricket Club for a number of years, has decided to go into Biltong. He's about the least South African bloke you've ever met, but his next-door neighbour is properly South African. So they've uh, started a built-on business uh, called Jolties. I presume the other guy's name starts with a J. Um, but he sent me a couple of packs last week, and it really is amazing. Um, they're going to launch new flavours and new, like, peri-peri's come in and, and um, chilli uh, chili chutney and so on and so forth. But this stuff is top draw, and they have given us an exclusive discount. Uh, 10% off when using code JOLT, J-O-L-T-8-1. Um, you need to either use that on their Instagram page or by texting 07783132318. 
Uh, luckily, this is a podcast, so you can listen to that number over and over again until you actually put it in your phone right. Um, but, I mean, I loved it. The dog loved it. And I didn't let the wife have any. So, um, <laughs> it's I love how this is happening. So, you've got all the beer. You've got all the biltong. Yeah. Robo and I are fighting amongst each other Ooh. to try and get some of the goods that you've got. Look, Robo's had some beer. Um, you live in London, so you've got endless... Uh, opportunity to buy Biltong. We both live in Nottingham and there's no Biltong. Um, okay. So, yeah, but uh, yes, it's um, a wonderful, really, 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 not just saying it, it is really, really good stuff. So, uh, Jolty's Biltong, 10% off, Jolt81, or uh, send that to 07783132318 or on their Instagram page for 10% off. Now, that's only a two week offer. And then I think they're t- I think they're testing us to see how many people buy it and see if they want to continue the partnership. So uh, if you love biltong, if you love beef, if you love meat, and that can be in any any way um, in today's modern world, then uh, get involved with Jolties. Um, that maybe that could be a tagline for them. If you love meat, get involved with Jolties. You know. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you are you moving into marketing now? Not only bath making and <laughs> yeah, exactly. providing half decent kit that uh, makes lots and lots of runs. Man of, man of many many talents. Uh, you talk you talk about uh, Woodstock. We should we should just mention about Woodstock. Yeah. Um, four of our players have been retained in the hundred: Emily Arlett, Liz Russell, Matt Carter, and Benny Howell. Obviously, Benny, who's soon to be flying off to the IPL. Um, Josh De Silva, our first Test cricketer who will be playing against England, has been named as the only wicketkeeper in the West Indies squad for the three Tests against England. Can't wait to go to Barbados. Sorry, anybody who's not going. Um, and yeah, it's it, thing, things. Life is good at the moment. Things are getting busier as we head towards the season. Um, but yes, have you been to Nets? Yeah. Have you been to any more Nets, Jonna? I got pranged. So some some big six foot three strapping strong bloke turned up last night, um, and he hit me square on the inside of the back foot, on the big toe. So I've, mm. I've, been, I've been walking around, like I've got one leg shorter than the other all day, uh, <laughs> like hobbling, hobbling around like nobody's business. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I, was bowl- I was out three times last night, I think. Uh, once, once nicked off, once nicked gully, and once cleaned up. But I think they're the so, first three good- of the year. Good question that I'm 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 asking a bunch of people. So shouldn't you, when you go out nets, walk out and let somebody else bat? So because it makes you it makes you so we talk look after your wicket. We we spoke about this as a senior senior committee last night, and I actually raised that and I said, look, I think that now or maybe not now, but in a couple of weeks, as we get close to the season, you need to put something on it. So you either your first two go in, but your next two are padded up. So as soon as you're out, you're out. Or but what we I think we might do is. Every time you're out in a net session, it costs you a fiver, and that goes into a kitty for the preseason social. So Ooh, it's it, going to be a great night. Well, it makes you value your wicket a little bit more, doesn't it? It just puts a bit of intensity in it and a bit of pressure and whatever. And so, um, but yeah, that's you know, you do need to start te- stepping it up and making it a little bit less like you know, oh, blowing the cob and giggles. Yeah. yeah, you've got to you've got to start tuning in for the season. So, um, yeah, so. Um, Coey's Coey's interviews about to come up. Um, what a bloke to talk to! Just a really, really nice fellow. Really open to talk about a number of different things that we asked him about. Obviously, no Robbo to ruin it. So you and I, you know, with we actually we're talking about just binning him completely, aren't we? We uh, 
we, I thought it worked quite well tonight. Well, that'll depend on how the listeners listen to this podcast yeah. and give us many, many reviews. But yeah, what a, what a, what an absolute legend Coey was. I mean, yeah, obviously I sort of got in touch with him through my um, connection. So people that don't know, the reason that I got in touch with Coey is he put us, um, he put me in touch with Cape Town Cricket Tours when Twickenham toured two years ago. Um, and he used to travel to South Africa and, and, and obviously play some uh, players and overseas um, over there. And yeah, it was nice of him to come on and join us and, and talk about his, well, his success, because I think that's all that there is right now for him, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you'll get that from the from the pod. I mean, some some tough times, certainly 2015, real tough year for him. Uh, but you should have yeah. the, you know, listen to the interview for that. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we need to speak to Cape Town Cricket Tours, because if off the back of this, then 10 people but tours, then, I mean, it's only fair that we, we've provided that business, so we should get free holidays to... To Cape Town, well, back of it. So maybe we should get a maybe we should get in touch with them. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe some yeah. kind of partnership, but um, yeah, but it's um, yeah, just you and I for this evening. Uh, you were about to hear the brilliant interview, brilliant insights, um, and what a brilliant winter he's had from Ian Cobain and and talking just through like an amazing uh, innings, an amazing game that uh, Gloucester when they when they beat Warwickshire in twenty twenty in two thousand and twenty in the 2020 blast uh what a game that was i remember vividly watching it um so yeah here's the interview um we'll see you in a bit tonight it's our absolute pleasure to to welcome a man to the podcast that arguably times the ball like no other um something that we're going to talk about later is i was sat at home one night watching you know watching the blast as i do and what unfolded before my eyes was nothing short of spectacular and as someone who's the as much of a badger as I am, I, I took incredible pleasure in watching it. Um, Gloucester's own, I think the third member of the uh, Gloucestershire outfit that we've had on the on the pod so far, but by no means, you know, we're not doing it in order of, I mean, Benny's not been on yet. He, he, he keeps going nuts <laughs> at me that we've not invited him on yet. Uh, we have got Ian Cobain with us. Ian, pleasure to have you with us, mate. Oh, thanks very much for having me on, lads. Absolute pleasure. Um, as always, we start uh, with, <laughs> I guess your route into cricket, yours probably, I guess your dad, if you want to talk a little bit about your dad, must have been a real kind of strong influence behind your quite early love of the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, growing up in Liverpool, I've, I've been at school. There was never any any sort of cricket at school. It was always footy, footy, footy. Um, so my sort of route into cricket was obviously through through my family. My granddad played and, you know, my dad played, played for Lancashire in the sort of late 70s. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really have a great deal of choice to be honest. <laughs> it, was, it was sort of thrust upon me from a very early age. <laughs> you say you say football. Now we had to cover this off air because I was going to, you know, do a robo and just claim to be ill for the night. Uh, just a left huge to it. Uh, yeah. Luckily, as a man, and you being uh, from the the other side of the Mersey, we we have established that he's a blue, not a red, um, which yeah. is fantastic. So. Um, on that, um, Rooney for manager. Do we see that happening longer down the line? Do we think? I guess it depends how he's going to go in his early career as a manager. If he shows some sort of promise, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody would love to have him back at Goodison, and you know, I think it'll be, it'll be great for the fans. Whether he, and obviously, as being a world class player himself, would yeah. would attract other world class players to the club. Which, you know, I think moving forward we need to do and I think Frank Lampard's gonna sort of hopefully bring that with him you know being a world-class player and, and, and players respecting him 
to I'm wanting to work with him. So yeah. hopefully he has some sort of pull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just back to your dad. You must have you must have given him the old kind of you know you've got first class hundreds. Oh, unlucky dad, top scorer ninety eight. Yeah, chin up, sweetheart. Like, what was what are those conversations? Yeah, no, that's um, you know, that's that's definitely it's definitely um, front and center of any sort of cricket conversation we do have. You know, everyone loves to sort of throw the throw the hand grenade in there of who's the best player, like who's better, you or your dad? And my dad always like, oh, miles better. And I'm like, hang on a minute, pal. How many hundreds have you got? Yeah, no, <laughs> get back in your box. <laughs> he's at, no doubt he's saying, oh, uncovered pitches and, you know, yeah. in my day when cricket was a proper sport and bats weren't massive and this, that, and yeah, that. exactly. So he's got all these excuses, but he's just going, on, oh, mate, have a look at the stats. Just... <laughs> but he did, he, was... did, he did give you that influence, though, and that, that grounding, I guess. I mean, was he influential in getting you to, into the YCs before you joined uh, Gloucestershire? No, not so much the YCs. Um, you know, I, I, I had him as my captain from when I was about 13, 14, playing playing club cricket so we've got a quite a unique relationship of of so i don't really look at him as my dad as such he's more of a more of a mate slash captain slash teammate so love that you know we um, it, it it's a it, it's just an added bonus that he is my dad and we've had some of the all-time arguments on the field as you, i'm sure you can imagine um so the lads used to love love watching me and him go off um but in terms of like as a as a coach you know he's been he's been my biggest influence and also my biggest critic um so, you know, we've had some, we have some very open and honest conversations about where he thinks my cricket is and, and how I should sort of progress, if you like. And having him, yeah, from such a young age was, was awesome. Did he ever hide you down the order and in terms of uh, batting lower down? Or, or what did he actually do when he was no, captaining you at, the, at that young age? No, it was the absolute opposite. I was always lobbed up top as the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had a pretty good team, so... He, he was sort of protecting the the older boys a little bit, and yeah, I was I was lob, lobbed out there first as a bit of a lamb to the slaughter. But you know, it's, it was one of those sink or swim, and, and luckily I'd, I'd done all right and sort of took my chance. <laughs> the north the northwest's got a great um, a great heritage of producing really good young cricketers. Obviously, we had Simo um, on, who's obviously gone into great things and, and played for England in the one day stuff last year against Pakistan. Yeah. I think he scored. He holds some kind of a record, doesn't he? For youngest ever league hundred at twelve years old or something like that. Um, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure. It wasn't. It wouldn't have been in the Liverpool comp. I don't think Simo played in the Liverpool. No, he, was, comp. he was more Lanks way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not too sure about that. But yeah, there's been yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of Lancashire boys who have, have come come through the Liverpool comp. Yeah, it's a great competition. Obviously, Bootle being your club. Um, I, the Liverpool comp. I mean, certainly growing up in the northwest myself. Um, very, very highly regarded in terms of the level of cricket. I mean, I, I played Cheshire County League, so we played against, you know, on the Wirral and Birkenhead and got called all sorts by a, lo- <laughs> a load of reprobates every Saturday with your mum being called this out of the other by some yeah. big angry bowler charging in at you and stuff. But great competitive cricket. I mean, you, you learn how to play adult cricket early on, don't you? Exactly right, yeah. And the fact that I didn't play at school, you know, just bang straight into men's cricket from a probably, I think I made my... I think I played my first senior game as a as a nine year old. Wow. So you know you sort of get get thrown in there and away you go. You know you get abused from such a young age. It's um it's it's a tough upbringing, but it's it yeah, certainly yeah. makes you grow up a lot quicker. I feel than than playing playing school cricket against against your peers. One thing I did want to ask you about, and I know you didn't come through this system, but the, the, there's the proposed changes to the UCCE system. So. 
one of our Woodstock pros is Joe Leach, who came through Leeds Bradford MCCU. Do you think that, and you know, feel free to say you don't really have an opinion on it, but it, 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 do you think the proposed changes are going to be beneficial? Because there are guys that do come through the system and, and kind of grow into professional cricketers and get that a late bloomers, if you like, aren't they? Yeah, well, I'm not too sure what the what the new system is going to be, but in terms of from from us playing against against the unis, um, you know, it gives them it gives them a platform mm. to perform. Um, same for me coming through the YCs. Um, you know, every game's a trial game, so mm. for those guys to play against the first class counties, it it gives them an opportunity to to showcase what they what they're about. And you know, I'm. I'm I don't know whether it's any stronger or any weaker than what it used to be or, or whatever, but it definitely does it does provide for those later bloomers, mm. as you say. I think they were the the last I heard they were talking about scrapping it. They were gonna pull all the funding from the from the UCCE program, which means they lose their first class status. Obviously they're probably you know, they get a chance to play two or three warm up get well, first class games against the county's pre-season. I mean, normally it's either snowing, you know, sleet, hail. I mean, three three jumpers, a man, and a couple of beanies just to try and keep the blood flowing in in mid March, I guess. But I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's a great great pathway for these guys, isn't it? To see if they can make it at that level at being twenty one rather than having to follow the pathway from being thirteen all the way through. Absolutely, yeah. Well, look at look at James Bracey. You know, he's yeah. a prime example. You know, he came through Gloucester, Gloucester's academy, came through the full junior setup, you know, sort of struggled to get a game in the in the second team, went off to uni, banged it against all the other first class counties. Next thing you know, he's we've signed him as a rookie, comes into the first team and dominates. You know, yeah. he's yeah. played Test West cricket. So I think for them to pull the funding would be would be a big shame because mm. it, yeah, it definitely it definitely does provide a platform for those late bloomers. Going back to where you started, I mean, you, you know, obviously you went through the YCs and you joined up with, um, with Gloucestershire in, in 2010, making your first class debut in, in 2011, making 59 and scoring those runs early on must have really settled you and made you feel part of the team. And, you know, how, how does, how does something like that influence you when you actually are successful in your first year? Yeah. So I was, I was under no illusions that they, that they'd signed me as a, I was 24. So I was, you know, I was a latecomer. I was under no illusions that they'd sign me to come straight into the first team. You know, they're not going to waste their time on trying to develop me as a 24-year-old when they could throw those resources at an 18, 19-year-old. So for me, I knew I had to make an, an impression on my first year. Um, luckily for me, there was a couple of injuries flying around. So I got, I was thrown into the into the first game of the season, opening the batting. You know, it, it didn't get off to a great start. I sort of inside edge one through my legs for four. And that was how I got off the mark in first class cricket. And then, you know, I think I've got, I don't know whether a nick I'd one kill or... to do that. Yeah, I'd kill to get off the mark in first class cricket with a, a, a Chinese cut or a, you know, whatever cut the people would refer to it these days. I would give my right arm. In fact, I would give both arms and both legs to even walk onto the pitch in a first class fixture. <laughs> Yeah, so like for me, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it or not, and and to to play one game was was a bit of a dream come true, and you know, to to contribute in the second innings and get a fifty odd not out in a in a bit of a low score and dogfight was was obviously really pleasing, and you know, it sort of make you, makes you feel like you know I am actually good enough to to be at this level, and you know, looking back on it now, eleven years later, you go, geez, I wasn't sure I was going to be playing for eleven years, whether it, you know, I was happy just to play one game. It's a, I mean, from what we obviously referenced earlier, we, we spoke to JT, we spoke to, to Smithy on here, um, Benny to come, certainly. Um, 
Gloucester as a county, you know, it seems to be the the culture of what you guys have got, and that, I presume that's from the chief exec down. And you know, it's a it's a club built around support of each other, not just on field but also off the field. I mean, there's been some awful things happen to a number of the staff, both playing and non-playing, over over the last few years. How? How does that impact you guys on a playing perspective in terms of driving the culture of the team together? Like you've always like you have each other's backs. There's no questions. Like you know, people like Chris Dent and he's you know he, he must have been a fantastic bloke to have in there. Uh, Maxi must have you know the experience he brought. But that that culture of what you guys create, like we are a family, we look after each other. Must be it's such a supportive feeling. Yeah, absolutely. You know that that was one thing that that I'd sort of noticed when I first come to the club as a, you know, in 2011, we were all, I say we, I was a little bit older than the other lads. I sort of bridged that gap a little bit from the senior players to the young lads. You know, they were all 18, 19, I was 24. And then we had a, quite a lot of like late twenties, early 30 year olds. And then obviously once the, those senior guys had, had left, it was sort of left as like a core, core group of players who, who, you know, played right the way through from, for, for probably those eight years, I reckon, before we started bringing bringing new faces in, to keep those to keep those that core together, and to go through what we have been through has been very special. You know, it's um, we're always always the underdog in in any sort of cricket that we play, whether it be white ball, red ball, um, and you know that's definitely something that we've thrived on, um, coming through that underdogs, you know, going through all the the stuff that 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 the lads have been through and to sort of starting to come out the other side of it now and starting to get a bit of recognition as, as a bloody, bloody good team. Mm. You know, it's, it's really nice to to start seeing these rewards. The, I mean, you talk about challenges that others have faced. I, I mean, it, you know, your, your road hasn't always been smooth, has it? I mean, you know, the great, Kind of gives up the captaincy midway through 2015. You're then as you know a young a young pro at probably what 20 28 something like that. Yeah, yeah 27 um, 28. You know, given multi format captaincy, you know, which is a big thing for the club to to give you. You know, um, obviously recognise the talent, but also your leadership skills. Then I believe from Smithy talking to him offline earlier, like literally the next week, a young academy bowler bowls you a flatty in the nets and breaks your arm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so captaincy gone, but not only that, you know, when Smithy spoke to me earlier, he referred to this, the Royal London One Day Cup win as kind of what defines a lot of the lads at Gloucester. That That's almost their thing. And unfortunately, you missed out on that because of that injury. Like, that must have been a really tough period for you personally. Yeah, it was. You know, like, I don't make any bones about it. I was in a pretty, I was in a bit of a dark space um, for, for quite a while. Um, it's still... Probably one of the highlights of my career, though, is watching the lads win the 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 fifty over comp. You know, it was it's still it's still one of one of my highlights. Yes, I wasn't playing; I didn't play any part in the tournament. But to watch it from the sideline, you know, bloody hell, I, I teared up in the stand when we won. It was it was yeah. special, you know, very very special to see the lads who have worked like so hard and you know progressed together as a, as a as a unit. Obviously disappointing not to play in it. Don't get me wrong; it was a pretty, pretty bitter, bittersweet pill to swallow. But you know, it was flip side. It was was very special to watch. 
How did you bring yourself back from that? I mean, you know, obviously your dad having ex-professional cricketer himself, and obviously we referenced the, the support network at, at Gloucester as a club, but how how did you, what, there must have been times where, you know, it's, it goes through your head of, oh, my, you know, fuck this, I've had enough. Like, I, I don't, you know, it, there must have been some real dark times. Like, what really helped you to, to pull yourself out the other side and like, actually, right, come on, let, let's go again? Yeah, well, the fact that I always had a window of, you know, a breaks, a breaks, a break, you know, when you know roughly how long it's going to be to heal. So there was always that light at the end of the tunnel of, of getting back playing again. Um, you know, the projected window was six to eight weeks. Um, I was back out playing a second team game within, within four weeks, you know? So for me, that drive to, to get back on the field to play was that's, that's something that definitely kept me going. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the captaincy, whether I was going to play any more four-day cricket. You know, I, I, you know, there was a lot of unknowns ahead of me. But mm. for me, was my biggest driver was to just get back out on the field and just start playing again. Um, you know, I have, like that's that was pretty much my first injury ever. You know, wow. yeah, I, I broke my toe when I was on the Y Siege, which kept me out for about six weeks. But you know, in terms of like as a professional cricketer, that was my first proper injury where mm. I was like, this is no good being sat on the sideline. I hate this watching the lads smack it around in the 50 over comp. And I was like, I should be out there. Like I want to be back out there. You know, it was, it was a big drive for me to, to get fit and to get back out, whether I sort of underclubbed a little bit and was back out there probably before I should have been, you know, and I, I don't know. <laughs> luckily it hasn't caused me any, any issues moving forward. So that's, that was, that's obviously been a bonus. Um, but yeah, it, it it's definitely it's definitely a dark time um but also there was light at the end of the tunnel so it wasn't wasn't the end of the world talking of light at the end of the tunnel um you've had a an interesting year you know um traveling to australia to go on holiday with your with i think your wife's australian right and you're young and yeah. maybe yeah, playing right. some club cricket out there like you like you sometimes did in south africa when um, when you went and toured with the land but yeah um Talk us through your experience in terms of your 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 holiday, I guess you could call it, when you were in Australia. Yeah, well, probably not so much a holiday. It was, you know, there was always always plans to go out there and play cricket. And, you know, for me to, to, to get away in the winters, I've been doing that now for a long time. This is my, I think this winter was my 15th out of 17 winters. Wow. So, yeah, I've been away, been away a lot. And I don't... <laughs> Following I don't the want... sun. Yeah, I don't, like the, I don't like the winter so much. <laughs> so, I mean, for me going away. Sorry? You're a fair weather golfer then. None of this playing in the autumn and winter. Nah, like. Not a chance. Any sort of rain, I'm, I'm out there. If it's less than 10 degrees, not a chance. Um, so, yeah, my, my, sort of, my, cricket kit, my cricket kit fits in my golf bag. So, you know, <laughs> I borrow a pair of pads and a helmet when I get out there. And, yeah, my, my cricket bats and gloves come with me in my, in my golf bag. So, feel, well... Kill three birds with one stone. It gives my chance. <laughs> gives play a bit of cricket, play a bit of golf, and gives my wife a chance to go see her family. <laughs> so yeah, for me, for me, going away in the winters is pretty much a, a set in stone. It just depends on on where we go, really. Um, you know, it's it's always nice to go to Australia. I've got a lot of friends out there. Obviously, my wife's from there. Gives her a chance to spend a bit of time with the family, especially now with with a little one. Um, you know, gives them gives them a chance to to spend a bit of time with him. Um, and yeah, there was, um, a nice little surprise, a nice little surprise this winter, which, um, you know, I've been, I've been trying to get, a, trying to get a gig in the big bash for, for a long time. 
Um, I've been pretty close a couple of times, given like previous years that I've had in, in the blast. Um, but you know, not playing for England, playing for Gloucester, probably doesn't doesn't help my case. Um, you know, they they want to go for bigger profiles, international players that you know sort of overlook stats as such, um, yeah. which has been you know it's been a big frustration of mine in the past. Um, but then to finally get a chance this year, you know, I was under no illusions. If I did get a chance, then I, you know, my game sort of looks after itself now. You know, I'm pretty, pretty happy with my game and pretty comfortable with where I'm at. But it was just getting that foot in the door and, and yeah, a bit of COVID and a, and a couple of phone calls sort of went my way. And, you know, next thing you know, you, I was out there in, in the Adelaide Oval. I mean, let's, let's just not, let's not just skip past that. I mean, let's, let's do, let's talk numbers for a second, shall we? Let's, <laughs> Let's, let's not let's not fuck around here. Like I mean, let's let's talk about this. So six digs, two thirty nine at fifty nine point two five in the big bash, which is arguably the second best quality. Um, you know, it's, it's the second biggest T uh, twenty tournament in the world. Playing on decks that are probably much quicker and much bouncier than than that that you used to in the UK. Playing against some proper proper cricketers, like ex-internationals, current internationals, you know, forget the COVID thing. That it, they are some serious, serious figures. You've got to be so proud of what you've achieved. Yeah, it was nice. You know, don't get me wrong. I was pretty happy with how I went, given the fact that I'd, I'd, pretty, I'd pretty much... so have... modest about it. I'd literally, I'd be just bouncing around the room going, oh my God, let me tell you about this shot that I played and let me tell you about that shot that I played. Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah it's funny. Considering as well, I'd, I'd just had pretty much best part of four weeks off drinking a fair bit of piss and eating <laughs> eating a lot of eating a lot of food over over the christmas break to then just sort of get get lobbed out there on the big stage and you know having four weeks off to play three games in four days was a bit of a shock to the system <laughs> but um luckily i got off to a good start and you know it's just the momentum just sort of just carried on which was which was nice it, it definitely could have it could have gone the other way that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> just explain to people for obviously we've seen bits on the news those of us that haven't been away into australia just explain a little bit about um obviously the state system so wa will just not let anybody in so obviously the, i think the final was due to be played at optus in perth but then they they shifted it um it, it was it was quite a protracted thing you know but obviously australia is such a big country even if you're traveling from new south wales into south australia like the, the flight times are, are, you know, you're doing a huge amount of traveling to get to these games and, and what have you, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So from, yeah, let's say from, from Sydney down to, to Adelaide, you know, to two, two or three hour flight, you know, it's, it's, it's a long, it's a long old way. Uh, it's like going from, I go to Spain, you, you, you <laughs> that, the other side of Europe, you know, it's uh it's, it, it is a long old way. Um, so for, 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 for WA to, to completely shut things down, like as a matter of fact, just, wouldn't let anyone in or out you know it was it was tough i've got a couple of mates in the in the wa team and it was tough for those guys to to you know effectively go and play a cricket competition to then not be allowed home for for yeah. three months you know it's a big 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 ask for some of the boys especially with families you know it's um it's bloody it's bloody tough you know sort of bound to hotels and not allowed to not allowed to go out you know you're living in the bubble it's it it does take its toll i'm not like i'm not going to lie it, it does take its toll like i wasn't exposed to it for the whole comp um but you know i went from the last two weeks of, of the big bash through to you know having three weeks in pakistan which was 
probably even worse in terms of living in a bubble. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely does get to people and you can see people getting burnt out real quick. Obviously, Halesy's come back, hasn't he? Um, you know, and he he's obviously goes around the franchise tournaments all over the world. And um, Can you just talk a little bit about bubbles? Because, you know, I think everybody from a non-playing perspective, certainly those who aren't aware or haven't been through these bubbles, you know, we see these, we, we put professional sportsmen on a pedestal and you hear those arguments of, oh, well, they should just be playing and be thankful for, you know, the opportunities that they've got and this, that and yeah. the other. Can you just put into context a little bit about, you know, why these things, when 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 people are spending so much time in them, are so difficult and what what the constraints are and, and why how you start to kind of almost get into your own head a little bit? Yeah, so, well, the best way I can sort of describe it would be, right, you go, you go play your cricket, you go train, but you've got to go directly to the ground. You can't stop off and have a coffee or go for lunch or whatever. You've got to go straight to the ground. As soon as you finish your playing or your training, you come straight home. But then you're not allowed in the rest of your house. You've got to stay in your bedroom. Okay, you're not allowed out of your bedroom. Okay, you can go, the, like, if you want to go to the toilet, obviously the toilet's in the bedroom. If you want to go <laughs> grab a coffee, you've got a kettle in your bedroom. Your food wow. gets delivered to your door, whether it be delivery or if you've got to have a buffet, then you go to a room, you eat your food, and then you go back to your room. You know, you're not allowed to walk around your house. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's a tough one. So like in, in, in Australia, it wasn't as strict, um, given you could go for, go for a walk to go and get a coffee, but you right. weren't allowed to go in. You had to order it and pick it up. You weren't allowed to go to a restaurant. You had to order food into the hotel. You know, you couldn't go and sit in a in a common like in a common area. You had to get your food and then you take it up to your room and then you go eat it in your room. Like, but you could still at least go for a walk on your own in mm. Australia, whereas in Pakistan or a couple of couple of the other the countries, you're not allowed out of the hotel at all. Wow. You're not allowed on another floor. You've got to stay to your floor of the hotel. Like it's yeah, it does it does get tough. It does get yeah, especially when you know. For me, the first time I've been away from from my family. Um, you know, it, I think all in all, it's going to be probably close to eight weeks, nine weeks. You know, away from like my my little boy's. What is he now? He's just over a year and a half old. It's going to be the first time I'm away from him. It's going to be nine weeks. Yeah. So, you know, the the development in him. In that period, massive. it's going to be a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was away for two weeks during the Big Bash. I came back, saw them for one day. I could see his. I could see the development in two weeks. Yeah, I've been to Pakistan. I've been there for three weeks. I'm not going to see them. They're not going to come back to the UK for another four weeks. So, you know, wow. just that development that I'm going to miss out on is is huge. And you know, people don't people don't really get to see that side of of mm. professional sport or professional cricket in this current environment. It's tough. Mm. You. you- you made the comparisons between Australia and Pakistan there. Obviously, I mean, when the good news rolls in, it just comes in all at once, doesn't it? Because you were in Australia, you got signed up to the Big Bash, and I think on the same day, you got the news about the PSL, right? So how did that happen? Yeah, it was just it was pure coincidence. Um, uh, Peter Moores, who's the coach um, of Karachi, who I, who I play for in the PSL, he he rang my agents and, you know, it was, he was looking for a, for a batter and, you know, I was available. He actually thought I was in the UK, um, which probably would have made things a lot easier for him, given the fact that 
But when I first signed up, Adelaide were bottom of the league and I was like, I'll be there for the start of the tournament. We're not going to make finals. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then obviously we got in a bit of a run. So I kept, I kept having to ring the ring the, the general manager of Karachi saying, yeah, we've, we've just won again. So I'm sorry. So he was like, oh, right, okay. Yeah. And, and the reason we're winning is I'm scoring a whole bunch of runs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm playing really well, so it's worth yeah, it the wait, honestly. Yeah, it would have been, been a bit awkward if we were winning and I wasn't doing very well. They were like, oh, don't worry, mate. Don't bother coming. You're all right. <laughs> and, and you said that the, the, the quarantine or the, the, the sort of isolation that you were in in Pakistan was was, was more severe, I guess, more strict. Well, you know, yeah, was, so... that, was that a different level? Yeah, so like with 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 COVID, we weren't allowed to mingle with like the other teams and etc. But we could mingle amongst our own squad. So we'd have a floor of the hotel which we could we were free to, to move around, but only that floor. So you couldn't speak to anybody else. But in terms of the security, that was probably the big issue of of not being allowed to leave the hotel. Um, and then you know we'd get escorted from the hotel to to the ground or to training facilities or wherever it was. Um, you literally just armored escort straight there, straight back. So you actually, well, we didn't get to see any any of Pakistan at all, apart from the ground we played at and, and the hotel that we were staying in. Um, so yeah, it was it, that was that was quite tough to to not be able to to go and see anything. It sounds like then. I mean, obviously, you know, we were talking offline earlier about you know it being so good for cricket that you know a, a country with such rich cricketing history in pakistan is now getting you know australia obviously going out there i think next week for a three test series and it, and it's great that cricket is beginning to now be played on the international stage back in pakistan but i wasn't aware as and if i wasn't and huge wasn't then there'll be a, you know most people won't be that you know the security is still very tight it, you know they still like you say, armoured escorts and stuff. So it's kind of, we're still very much at the, the kind of sharp end of it. But, you know, as this starts to happen and get better, then things will ultimately get a bit easier. I guess so, yeah. Um, you know, I think this comp that we've just played in now is, uh, is I think, the first full comp that they've played there for, for a long time. Yeah. You know, they've had the odd game here and there. Um, but in terms of hosting the competition, again, it's... Um, you know, it, it, I think this is the first time for, for for a long time. So they they just didn't want to take any chances. So we were getting mm. we were getting full head of state security, like the security detail. So oh, yeah. we were on these like armored buses um, with, you know, there was so so much security around. I think I think if, if I remember correctly, I think it was a six thousand person operation just to get wow. teams from the hotel to the ground. Six thousand people. It was yeah. mental. Mental. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, they just didn't want to take any risks whatsoever. You know, given given it, especially now that it, that Australia are probably going to be the first international team to tour there for for a long time. Yeah. yeah. You know, air security is going to be even even more hyped up. It's yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. But I, I must I must admit, I did not I didn't feel unsafe once. It was Brilliant. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So safe. You know, it it would have had to have been a proper full military operation for anything to happen. You know, it, it couldn't have been just wow. your odds, your odds extremists just trying to cause a bit of yeah, cause a yeah. bit of trouble. Yeah. You know, it would have had to have been a proper full organized operation for anything to go wrong. And like I, yeah, me and just speaking to the lads in our team, like not once did we feel unsafe. 
the quality of the cricketers. I mean, Shoa Malik just keeps going and going and going. I swear he's about seventy-four. <laughs> yeah, so I was playing for Karachi, so we had um, we had uh, Babar Azam as a, as our skipper. Um, so yeah, obviously to play with to play with Babar was, you know, was he number one ODI batsman in the world? You know, he's a, he's yeah. a good in in all forms. So to play alongside him and to get to bat with him was, you know, it was, was awesome. Um, you know, I sort of picked his brains a little bit about, about batting and stuff like that, you know, watching how he went about his training, how he approached games and stuff like that was, was awesome. You know, I'm, I'm pretty old now, but you know, every day's a school day. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> every day is because I, I, I love just speaking to, speaking to international lads and, and see how they, they approach it. So it was, yeah, it was awesome. Talking of international, I mean, I was going to, this was going to be my final question, but, um, They've been, you know, talk a lot of talk about you. You know, rumor not rumors is the wrong thing to say, but you know, you hear the whispers. You know, your name gets mentioned more and more and more. World World T Twenty coming up end of the year. <laughs> is, is that? I mean, is that something that you think about, or do you just look after your own game, try and win games for Gloucester, and then just kind of see what happens? Yeah, I'm very much a live day to day. You know, if. If I'm doing my best day to day, and you know, if I'm scoring runs and winning games of cricket for for Gloucester or whoever it may be in franchise cricket, then you know that's that's all that I can control. Um, what happens after that is is out of my control. You know, if, if people yeah, yeah. see my performances and and go, well, you know what, let's give them a crack, then then awesome. You know, for me, it's you know that would be a dream come true to to represent my country. You know, it's, it's still something that I still I do dream of. But you know, I, I'm, I'm Bit of a realist as well. I'm 35 year old. It's it's probably it's probably on the, on the back end here. But you know something special is going to have to happen for for me to to get an opportunity. But you know the only thing that I can control is is my day in day out performances for for Gloucester mm-hmm. and whoever whoever it may be that I'm I'm playing for at, at that time. Do you know thing if you I mean I've always been a believer very much at you know the, the levels that I've been a captain and whatever you know if you if you're good enough, you're old enough. And that, I think that works in both ways, doesn't it? So, yeah. you know, you'd say that, say that Jimmy and Brodie, I mean, I'm, we're not going to go into that <laughs> tonight, but, um, you know, I think at both ends of the spectrum, if you're getting the job done, I mean, take 13-year-olds, or you say when you played your first game of adult cricket at nine, if, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yeah, uh, But equally, you're know, yeah. too old if you're getting the job done. Exactly. And, you know, that's that's something for, for the selectors and the and the captain to, to think about. And, for me, like I say, I'm just that's in the distant future. You know, that's like you know, I, I don't. If I look at that, then I'm I'm distracted by what's happening tomorrow. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. you know, if if I look after my next game and if I perform, then that's another stepping stone to getting to to that level. So for yeah. me, yeah, I'd be I'd be I'd be disappointed if selectors look looked at age over performance. You know that it's something that you know that would be pretty disappointing to to get looked over if my performances were still were better than other people, and then they went with someone who was younger, for example. That would be frustrating, but yeah. again, that's out of my that's out of my control. I've, it is what it is at the end of the day. You, you kind of you've mentioned earlier about you know Gloucester and do you think there's still that kind of old school? Um, misconsideration of the fact, you know, of players that play at Gloucester. So, you know, you look at Benny, team of the tournament in the 100 last year, you know, JT really pushing for, you know, has, has had some great seasons. Do you think that 
people who play for Gloucester are still somehow overlooked because it's Gloucestershire and they play at Bristol and it probably doesn't get the attention of the, the international grounds in the Yorkshire's, Surrey's, Lancashire's, uh, Edgebass, uh, Warwickshire's, etc. Do you think that it, do you think that still happens? Because surely in today's modern society and environment, that, that shouldn't even be a consideration. It should absolutely be about stats-based performance, 100%, right? 100%. You know, if you look at, like, mine, Benny's, Jack's, Smudge's, look at our performances over the last eight to ten years. Yeah. We'd be up there with some of the best in the country, consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tend to get overlooked a little bit. Benny's obviously now starting to to get the recognition that he's deserved f- at least five years ago. You know, yeah. it's only just sort of coming about now. You know, for me to get to get a game in in the big bash, it's only just come about now. But my numbers go back five years, six years ago, were just as good, if not better, than what they are today. So mm. why why only today? Yes, obviously COVID played a part, but still, you know, it's. I, I, I do believe that Gloucestershire is still looked at as an underdog, a unfashionable club as such. Um, and yeah, the, the lads who are playing at bigger counties definitely 100% get more opportunity. Definitely. I think, See, it's, also to do with, I think it's also to do with the coaches that they get in as well. Like no disrespect to, to Dawes or to Harv or to, to John Bracewell or whoever, you know, but they they don't they don't coach franchise cricket at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at someone like a Middlesex who get Dan Vittorian, he's coaching franchise cricket around the world. Their lads get a game. Sorry. It just makes know, it easier. It's an easier transition, isn't it? Yeah. Of course it is, yeah. They get exposed they get exposed to coaches who are who are who are coaching in franchises around the world. Yeah, Gloucestershire doesn't. It's funny. I spoke to I spoke to Dorks last week. Um, obviously, you know I'm incredibly proud of Benny, and it's amazing for me that Woodstock gets to go to the IPL this year. But I, I said I said to Dorks, I said, "Look, do you think do you think he will play?" And he said, "The thing about the lads from Gloucester is they are so highly skilled that you put them in an environment and people realize what they can do." And you know, we was using Benny as, as obviously I was asking specifically about Benny at that point, but. He said, all of our lads, you put them in an environment, they're such good blokes, but they're so highly skilled that they will play games. Like, there's no question about it. Like, it, And it's almost like there is this kind of behind-the-scenes... Um, and I think that's almost a, a thing about the culture at Gloucester, isn't it? Right, you know, fuck everyone else. Fuck what they think. We'll just go about our business. We'll get it done, and we know we know the quality that we've got here. Yeah. Um, but I, I, think, I think, ultimately, it's incredibly disappointing that if that is happening... It's even like unconscious bias. It, you, know, you don't automatically, you're not, you're not actually saying, oh, we're not going to pick lads from Gloucester because that we see them still as a Div 2 county. But yeah. if you're thinking that subconsciously, that's as bad as thinking it in the forefront of your mind. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it is one of those things. And we, <laughs> it's no surprise that we turn over big counties game after game because we all know how good we are. Mm. We all know if we perform to our best of ability. doesn't matter whether you've got eight internationals playing in your 11, we'll beat you because we're bloody good. You know yeah. what I mean? We, we have that that confidence in ourselves and the trust in ourselves that if we go about our business and do our jobs the way we should do them, we will turn over the majority of teams around the country. You know, whereas people turn up and they just go, ah, oh, it's only Gloucester, we'll just take these today. 
you know, yeah. and, or they have a team full of individuals who will go, well, I'll look after myself, you know, for bowlers, bowling lob ups to try and buy some wickets at the back end just to look, make his stats look good. Or if a batter tries to slog it when they don't need to, you know, it looks after their stats, their stats look great, but they lose, yeah. you know, whereas we would always do the dirty jobs to win yeah. at, at, the, at the detriment to our own personal stats. And yeah. I think, you know, that definitely goes unnoticed. I think it's starting to come into the game a lot more now with the with the analysts. You know, they look at how many games you win and, and when you when you win games and how you score your runs against what oppositions and what's the scenario of the game. Whereas, you know, I think in the past analysts would, would just look purely on the basis of how many runs you score at what strike rate. You know, whereas now the analysts are going into way more detail um, in terms of like how do you influence a game? So that's where yeah. my stats or Benny's stats, for example, would would be way better than a lot of people because we do the dirty jobs all the time. I have to say there was there was a couple of dirty jobs last year that I think we're going to talk about, specifically one in a 12-over game, where how do you almost score 100 in a 12-over game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was literally just one of those things, you know, it was... Um, 12 overs, you know, you haven't got enough time to, to sort of build an innings as such. It was, you know, we lost the wicket in the first over, I think it was, and then I was in and then I was like, I think I got a six away quite early. And I was like, Jesus, wicket, wicket's good. And I'm just like, well, I'm just going to try and hit the ball as hard as I can hit it. Every ball. <laughs> and like, luckily they didn't bowl overly well and the wicket was so good that you could just trust you, trust yourself to just try and hit the ball as hard as you can. You know, it wasn't like a, there wasn't a subconscious thing of me going, or a, a, a conscious thing of me going out there going, I'm trying to hit sixes every ball here. It was just one of those things that just, that just happened. Um, and then, you know, the first couple of balls you get away and you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the ball all right today. So I'm just going to keep going. And then, yeah, you just get on a bit of a roll and you don't really think about it too much. You just, you're just hitting the ball and it's, yeah, it just ends up going for six. I love, um, I love this. For, for any amateur cricketer listening to this, Hit, I'm hitting the ball all right, right? I remember specifically watching this game, right? Because I'm an absolute nuffy, right? And Ian hit a ball, hit a six over cover, right? And I, I remember putting a pillow in front of my face and just screaming into it. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. I, I think I, I must have screamed, like, fuck off at the top of my voice into a pillow so I didn't upset any of the neighbours. I was like, why can't I do that? Like, this is, you know. But you guys must have... That I, I've written in my notes here is that day, like I've had them, you just had them, where you just think you you, t you just nail your first ball, you just time the pad. So even if it goes to a fielder and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, today, today's the day, today I'm on today. But you guys must get that as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but more often than not, those days you get a you get a, a beautiful twenty and you get out <laughs> because, you, because you just think, oh, this is too easy today. Like I hit the ball as sweet as anything. And then all of a sudden you miss one and you get bold or you smack one straight out of the field and you're out and you think, shit, I was in the best touch of my life and I've just got 20. <laughs> or you, know, you have other days where you're hitting them like an absolute dog and then you somehow shank them into gaps and you miscue them and you nick them for four and you get 100 and you think, this just doesn't make any sense. Like, stupid game. It's the most bizarre game of all time. Like, yeah. how does this happen? 
Yeah. You did say that you were hitting it really well and it was a really good wicket. I mean, one of your teammates did bowl out of his socks and take a fiver for next to nothing, didn't he? So, I mean, you say that the wicket was good. I mean, let's just, let's just, you know, let's, let's just say that you guys, when you said you all clicked together that day, I think you spanked them by 57 runs or something like that. But yeah, it was just an, an unbelievable performance from all of you guys. Yeah, definitely. It was, yeah, you know, you, you do have those days as a team where everything you, everything you touch does turn to gold. And, you know, I think if you get a big total first up, you know, the bowlers bowling second can have those days out because the batters have to keep coming. You know, it's not That's like they can just sort of fudge themselves to a win. They have to, they have to go. And, you know, even if one bloke has a day out with the bat for the oppos, you know, everybody else has still got to keep going as well. Um, and then, yeah, the bowlers can, can definitely clean up, especially in those, in those scenarios. I mean, ably backed up. I remember that, I mean, that you took an absolute snorter. Uh, full length diving forward at long on off uh, off Smithy, um, you know Smith, I Smithy. I wouldn't say it was. I wouldn't say it was a blinder. I probably misjudged it a little bit in the lights, and <laughs> I've had to do a bit of scrambling at the end and made it look a lot better than what it probably was. <laughs> never, never admit to that, Coe. You should know better than that. <laughs> yeah, plucked it, plucked it a millimeter off the ground. Yeah, yeah. you know, timed it perfectly. I mean, on, on that game, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, and I may be wrong, but. From memory, wasn't it a bit of a crunch game as well? So to go out and perform in that, wasn't it for like who was going to go through or be top or something like that? I don't think. I think it was quite early on in the tournament, to be honest. Um, but yeah, obviously with with Warwickshire obviously being one of the one of the better one of the better sides in the comp, you know, is definitely a a big game in in terms of the of of qualifying. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure it was a. It was a make or break um, off the top of my you head. You could have just said yes. Though. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, you could have just said yes. <laughs> um, you, you, you cut, cut that out, mate. Just, just go. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it was a huge game, and I scored all the runs. Therefore, England need to have my number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, the other one that we want to talk about. And this is and and Smudger has lined these up as I said to you before, and I feel you know I've known I've known Tom a long time. He's a great great man, um, but during what we have to describe as Tom's highest ever first class score, um, <laughs> you supported him ably by batting for five sessions when Tom batted for maybe one or one and a half, um, one hundred and fifty one out against Surrey in a four day championship game to to secure a draw. I mean, five sessions is 10 hours of batting at least, plus maybe an extra half an hour if, yeah. the, if the, the result was possibly still on. How, I mean, do you, how do you occupy yourself at the crease? Do you sing to yourself? Like, what is the, how do you keep yourself in the moment and just kind of, you know, what are the powers of concentration must be unbelievable? Yeah, I don't know, really. Um, I guess it probably helps me in such a stubborn, stubborn bugger. Um, you know, I was sort of playing for my spot in the team as well. I'd been left out. I think it was like my first or second game back in the team. So, you know, I, I definitely had a point to prove, um, which I think I, I've got, to, I think there's a picture somewhere when I did get my hundred and I'm like looking back over at the changing room and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty funny look back at the changing room to, you know, I'm sure you can imagine what I was thinking at the time. So um yeah it was um it was definitely nice not only to to keep Surrey at bay but to also sort of earn my spot back in the team again 
It wasn't like a NASA moment, point at it, it's number three on his back, was it? No, I think my face told a few more words. Brilliant. Um, I guess, you know, obviously, the, what what's next? I mean, obviously, we referenced the World Cup earlier and you're just going to kind of concentrate on doing what you do. Um, obviously, the, the, the draft, uh, first bits of the draft came out today. You must be excited about another opportunity to potentially get picked up in the draft of this year off the back of a great big bash. And you know a strong start to to the season. I mean, what what are the what what does twenty two look like for for you? Yeah, so obviously that's the first first port of call. I guess is I think the draft's back end of March, so you know it's before the the, the season actually properly kicks off. So yeah, for me, getting picked up in in any team at the at the minute is is definitely a huge goal of mine. Um, but not all, not not only just getting picked up, but you know getting picked up in a team where I probably will look like will likely play every game if that makes sense you know mm-hmm. um you know I was sort of in and out of the team last year which was which was hugely frustrating um given I, I sort of felt like I, I probably deserved a spot um but I think yeah moving forward you know I, I'd want to play for a team where I'd like to I'd like to play every game and whoever that whoever that is and you know whoever that is it, it is <laughs> ultimately I've got no sort of say of, of where I go so that's yeah. Do you think? Do you th- would they have considered the your performances in the bash, or do you think the decision not to retain you would have been made before that? Like, because today must have been, I guess, no, in I, a way. I got a phone call. I actually got a phone call the day before. Um, the day before I got signed up by the strikers in the PSL. Uh, <laughs> no way. Been released. So. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so that was a uh, that was a nice twist in events. So um, yeah, yeah we'll, well, the we'll, now, the, the might, back to the Welsh fire. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There might be an open checkbook with a pen just hovering above it at the moment. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, so who knows? You know, it's it's one of those things. Again, it's out of my con- out of my control. Uh, what will be will be, and you know, we'll sort of make the make the most of of whatever happens. Brilliant. Well, look, mate, it's been an absolute... Um, I was going to try and make a funny joke about if you were using Woodstock bats, then you'd have a better crack. But I quite, I quite, like, I quite like the Gunner Moore boys, so I'm not going to... Jeez, I've been with them now for... I think it's been 18 years I've been with them. So, wow. yeah, wow. can't really see myself jumping ship. Yeah, well, I had to try. I had to try. Kerry, <laughs> um, thank you so much for your time, mate. You're an absolute gent. You, it's just been like talking to a, a friend of 10, 15 years. Like, you've made it really easy for us to have a chat with you. So thank you so much for your time today, mate. It's been brilliant. Uh, not problem at all. Thanks very much for having me on, lads. And yeah, more than welcome. Like, I'd love to come back on whenever, whenever you guys would want. Brilliant. You're on. Absolutely. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. No, nah, no worries, guys. Um, look, what an interview. What a pleasure it was to talk to him. Uh, what a guy. Looking forward to going to see him in Bristol when I pop down and see a couple of our pros in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, before we kind of start to dissect that a little bit, um, we must also mention Big Smoke Brewery, a great partnership that we've got there. Um, do not text it on their website at checkout. Slogging it 10. We'll get you 10% off your first order. Um, loads of different craft beers. Um, Honestly, they're amazing. I've been on the old uh, Lucky Spring today, which is a nice pale ale. 
Um, but yeah, lovely stuff. So please do get involved with them. Uh, also, do not forget, um, we also work with Samaritans. So if there's a way in which you can also look to try and support them, as long as you don't put yourself in financial hardship, that would be wonderful. Carrie, what a bloke. What, what insight. What what a guy. Um, had his own challenges. 2015 must have been a real tough year. Yeah. Um, just... You know, having a, an academy lad. I mean, I forgot to ask actually. That academy lad must have felt dreadful. He's just taken out the the multi format captain of his county where he's trying to build a career. Um, so uh, you know, it'd be interesting to find out one day what what happened to him. You know, hopefully he's gone on to have a decent career in cricket, but probably can't be e- that easy when you take your uh, your three format captain out in the in the <laughs> next five ball in the static. With a flat one, not even a bumper. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's proper way to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I love the way he's done sort of one over on his on his old man, ninety eight, not out or ninety eight, and then yeah. he's gone on and made you know many many more. Um, must have been really cool playing under your dad at, at um, you know, at club level. That must have been pretty cool. I don't know how many people get that opportunity to play cricket with their dad, so that that must have been something pretty special for him and. And then obviously the recent form that he's been in. I mean, I say recent form, when you look at it, he sort of mentioned it quite well that, you know, he's been in form for the past 11 years when you look at his stats. Yeah. It's just not the pretty stats that maybe some of the other guys, when you have a look at what he said around the analyst side, and I found that really interesting, that conversation about how when you go back and you look at the hard runs that they scored compared to the flashy ones, I guess you could call it. Yeah, it was was an interesting conversation. When he was talking about that, and obviously knowing you as well as I do, and you, you're quite, you know, with, with your job and just what your interests are, you're quite, you, you data is something that you kind of quite like and stuff. And I, the, the more that the analysts these days drill down into that data, they will be able to, it's not just about strike rate and, you know, how your average, it's about when you score your runs, what's the game situation when you score in the runs. like, And, and I think that there's now like stats that are based upon, um, the the weight of advantage you bring your own team within any given period within a game. So, um, yeah. and you know, if what Ian is saying is true, which from experience, not of playing myself, but from, you know, talking to a lot of the lads that I know in the game who don't play for those kind of showcase counties, if you like, they do feel like they go a bit ignored. And, you know, there, there is no question that Ian Cobain is, has been a, a phenomenal cricketer at the top end of the spectrum for a long time, yet as, you know, he's kind of mentioned in dispatches, but other than that, there's not been a, you know, he's not played Lions, he should have. He's never had a full call-up, arguably should have. You know, he's been doing the business down at Bristol for a long, long time, but but never received the plaudits that a lot of people would suggest that he should have. So, um, you know, when we when we spoke to I think it was Floyd, he wasn't it? When we spoke to Matt Floyd in the first series about um, unconscious bias, you know, is is that still a thing? Um, if it is, it's a problem and it needs addressing. Yeah. Um, but you know that that's uh, one on a, a very long list of things that need addressing within um, ECB towers, isn't it? And I'm sure it's right <laughs> at the top. So, um, yeah. but look, you know, we hope for a perfect world one day. We're trying to achieve a better world day by day but um yeah just a, a great bloke great interview just loved spending that time with him yeah absolutely and um yeah good luck to him in the draft that's coming up i really hope he does well yeah. and probably more importantly good luck when you know the opportunity comes um around england selection yeah, i mean you know we all know that he's gonna he's gonna get there yeah he, he seems he seems quite um he, he just seemed quite 
willing to accept that now at 35 he, he may have passed it. But you know, you look at you look at these guys, Darren Stevens, Luke Fletcher, all these guys who keep putting in these performances, and for whatever reason their face doesn't fit or um the um you know various you know it's 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 not fair that if, if this stuff actually goes on and that people don't get picked for the wrong reasons then it's um you know that's that's not a great thing. Funnily enough, I was asking uh, so Jack Taylor who we had on the podcast is currently out in Australia. So I text Jack earlier, along with Benny and Tom Smith and, and Dorks for funny stories. And I've literally just received a text from Jack Taylor. Yeah, who is in Australia, who said, ask him about having to buy spikes or panic about spikes when he got called up to play in the BBL as he was playing on dodgy AstroTurf on the weekends. <laughs> Brilliant. We, um, we, we, should, we shall make sure that that gets shared on social media and maybe get a response from Ian via social media, shall Brilliant. we? But look, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to say your friends. Um, you know, tonight's been the troublesome, terrible twosome. Uh, we'll be back to the Three Stooges next week, no doubt. Um, but yeah, thanks for your time, and um, yeah, we'll see you again next week. We'll be back.